Hi, this is the UX Group Podcast, the podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with another guest of season one with Chris, the founder of the UX Playbook and a UX designer himself. Thank you for being here, Chris. It's a pleasure, Nick. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so I know one of the things I always try to do is learn last names. So I always wonder, how do you pronounce your last name? Yeah, it's pronounced Wing. It's a Vietnamese surname, one of the, actually the most popular Vietnamese surnames, actually global surnames. So yeah, Wing, mm -hmm. it's spelled N-G-U-I-E-N. Yeah, no, man, it's like, I know, I, there's so many also different ways to pronounce it too, so, <laughs> from all the different uh, countries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Uh, Chris is absolutely fine. <laughs> yes. All right, Chris. So tell us a bit about your background. How did you get to the place you are today? Sure. So um, I'm actually, well, I actually studied business. So I'm a non-typical UX designer. I kind of fumble around in school. Um, first, I did computer science and then dropped out. Then went back to school to finish my business degree. And in 2013, I moved to Vietnam. In 2014, I got my first tech job and instantly I found myself loving tech. I wasn't doing what I wanted. I was in digital marketing. However, tech was the place I knew I wanted to be. And this was uh, me moving to Vietnam in 2013. So um, I decided to first quit that job and actually go freelance. And that is really where I had more opportunities to do design and things I liked and I was lucky enough to work with a few startups that sort of hired me as a freelancer and then fumbled my way into another company where I actually designed my first platform in Keynote, the presentation app. Um, even before, you know, like this is when Sketch had just come out, I can't remember what version, but uh, that's what I did. Then I found Sketch and then eventually I got my first UX design job. Well, I was paid to design a product designer. So then mm -hmm. that was 2015 um, and, you know, uh, moved to multiple jobs. I, I worked in Mexico uh, and uh, as a UX lead and then a UX manager back in Vietnam. Then I moved to Thailand and got my first sort of head of department role, which is for a Thailand uh, fintech company. It's the first sort of unicorn or fintech unicorn in Thailand. And um, fast forward after the pandemic, I decided to give it all up and work on my own thing. So that's a long winded story about my background, but hopefully that's caught you up to date. Yeah, I know. I'm always so fascinated how other UX designers are able to like, get into it and find their way through it because there really doesn't seem like this, you know, all, all the time a norm of how it goes, like how like like say a lawyer or a doctor goes through their schooling and then they become that and that's all they do you know it it feels like it's its own adventure i definitely agree i think um a lot of people when we hire other designers you know we prefer people from all different backgrounds there's complete there's there's hardly any you meet um you know five six years ago that went to school for human computer interaction or ux design or anything like that so everybody has their own sort of unique story and i think that's why the field of ux is so exciting and also 
that helps with the perspective of designing things for other people, right? We want new ideas, we want that. So everybody's story is um, super awesome. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, when we, uh, when we have so much backgrounds that we get to learn and grow together as, as not only from like our work, but also like different cultures and different perceptions, because like how, you know, like how many times are we thinking of like accessibility in our design work when we don't deal with colorblindness or, or hearing problems or anything like that, you know? Yeah, even we take granted how uh, words are written, right? Like in some cultures, it's written right to left, even up to like up uh, to down versus left to right. So it's like there's so many things that we are just not aware of just because where we live and who we interact with. But moving to Southeast Asia from England, kind of, you know, you have a whole different mind shift of like how people design here and what the consumers want in the market. It's really interesting. Yeah. 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 So when you're uh, going through your process of your, your UX design, I know like everyone has a different process as well as for the different project, but I'm interested to know, like, what is your typical work? Oh, uh, how you go through the process? I always start with a workshop. Um, and whether this is uh, with sort of teammates within a company, within a product company, or if it's with a client in a service-based company. So it's the point of getting people buy into the process, getting their ideas heard, and also discussing on things that we're not going to work on. I think that's really important, right? So I mm -hmm. always start with a workshop. Um, and, and then um, really, it's quite nimble, like... I wouldn't say it's the typical design thinking process because I believe um, you can ship way quicker than that. So mine is my process is probably closer to the design sprint where you kind of work in short bursts and you actually get it in the hands of your users bef uh, and release it to the market. Um, and on that note, the things that I typically work on, if I can help it, is... Uh, far more than a prototype people can actually use it and buy it and i think that's the best test of any product because when a customer has to pay for it that's really the test right uh, if they don't have to pay for it then they have to interact with it right so so my process is pretty nimble uh however i do follow you know lots of techniques that you know the industry uses and but my personal favorite is just the strategy workshop or the design workshop right at the beginning to solidify what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, and really get everybody on the same page. I think that's super important. And that's what designers are not doing enough. They're kind of, you know, taking orders or that they're really, you know, siloed in what they know versus getting everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one thing I definitely have learned for the process of, of being a graphic designer in 2D UX design is that it's definitely a lot more team oriented and how we, you have to like work together as like a, like a, as an actual unit and because your, your work is going to be included with other people's work. Exactly. I mean, like fundamentally, like this is what I believe a UX designer should be, which is the bridge uh, of the different organization just like like a project manager is or a product manager because you know we have to consider the business consider the users consider the engineering and technical constraints and, and a bunch of other stuff right so like we are the communication bridge i would say more than 
potentially a product manager because they're very focused on the business without uh, maybe sometimes doing uh, lots of user validation. So that's kind of my take on, on what I define as a UX designer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, what are your favorite tools and resources that can help people become more, uh, become better UX designers? Yeah, I'm a big fan of just YouTube. Um, I know because I'm self-taught, never went to school for it, actually just kind of stumbled my way in. So obviously the internet is great. Uh, YouTube is awesome for, especially for UX designers. There's, there's so many resources like AJN Smart Channel is really good for workshop facilitation. Obviously there's a design sprint videos up there. There's, there's a whole bunch of interesting content that people are creating around UX. And I hope to be, you know, one of them soon. Um, so of course, YouTube as a, as a learning tool, uh, I'm a big fan of Notion. I think it helps documentation, organize just kind of your thoughts and your second brain. And um, I love it so much that actually my product is actually built on Notion because I think it's just so easy to use and kind of serves what I need and, and potentially integrates with other people's workflows. Um, I'm also a big fan of um, async communication. So uh, like Notion is great for that, but also I use a, this email app uh, made by the folks at 37signals or Basecamp, whatever you know them as, and it's an email app called Hey. And the the concept of Hey is that email is annoying. We get lots of spam. There's always some sort of tracking. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just broken fundamentally. So Hey is like a email app that doesn't notify you unless you want it to, but you really go in there and it separates things into really nice little buckets. And um, it's kind of a distractionless email service. Um, it's really cool. So that's one of my favorite tools as well. Of course, whiteboarding tools uh, like Mural and Miro. Uh, I love those tools. I've, I've used them for years. Uh, I, you know, it, it's so funny that those two names are very similar. So I'm always getting tongue tied. And of <laughs> course, I'm a big fan of uh, Figma. And um, I'm a little bit on edge about the Adobe acquisition, but we can we can get into that. I think maybe that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. It just definitely feels like a breaking news uh, to I actually saw that headline happen when I was doing a recording with the past guest. So I was like, whoa. <laughs> so that was definitely huge news. Yeah, stop the podcast. We've got to talk about this. <laughs> I know. I know. That's crazy. That was crazy. But yeah, also, yeah, Notion. I've heard so many great things about that, too. I've never used it before. It kind of, as I recall, it's like the, the spiritual successor to Evernote, if I recall. Yes, that's correct. I know. And I, man, I remember when Evernote was the, the note to beast of the world. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. How, you know, it's crazy how, how you know, these apps and projects can just change over time. Through the you know like through the different the business and the, the overall uh, arching seeing, I feel like uh, from an UX design perspective, what do you think is like one of the biggest faults that companies have when they with their UX uh, design division? 
they don't involve them early enough. I think mm. uh, it's almost always an afterthought. Of course, there are companies doing great things out there, like Airbnb, you know, design founder. It's really they don't have a design DNA or someone high enough on the leadership table, if you will, to kind of drive a design approach to product building or even to company building, right? So really that's one of the things. So lack of sort of uh, design driven thinking throughout the company. And also that means that that team doesn't have uh, as much impact as it could have. Also, um, I see a lot of sort of siloed um, teams where communication because what is the right model i don't think we've found that yet either it's um a you're in your own team so centralized or you're dispersed in other teams so therefore you're siloed with a let's just say a scrum team or a cross-functional team and then there's some hybrid models um they, it really depends on which company but typically mm -hmm. either one of those silos information so we, we don't have a really good way to solve that right now and i think those are two of the biggest pain points. If I could add one more, which is, I think the design process is pretty unique at every company, but mm -hmm. there are institutional learnings that designers get from uh, within the companies. And I don't think there's enough like sort of documentation and their own framework and their own way of doing design. So that is kind of a problem that I'm trying to tackle. However, obviously this is very personal to each of the companies. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I see that as a problem too. Yeah. Yeah. Also a lot of problems that I see even from the the beginning of the people who want to learn UX design is also like, how how can they get their start? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I was to, I guess, give advice to people who wanted to start UX, I would say you have to learn the fundamentals. And I'm not talking about a history lesson, but it would be helpful to see where UX came from. Right. Uh, so the cross between sort of human behavior and psychology with engineering, uh, but the output is a little bit different. Right. So um, learn the, the, the fundamentals, the foundation of what design thinking is. I know design thinking is just one approach. However, it, it's a fairly decent approach to understand uh, core frameworks. And within that framework, design thinking doesn't really, they're not explicit about the tools used within that. So if you were talking about empathize and define, you might use proto personas or personas, or you might not, right? You might use empathy maps. So the, mm -hmm. the tools is, is, are, are really flexible in that framework, but it's important to sort of one, understand the uh, sort of the process and then to understand the tools within that and really experiment and learn them. So it gives you a good sort of mental model to, to then go think uh, about, okay, well, if I come up with this problem, uh, if I come across this problem, then what do I have in my toolbox to, to leverage and, and how do I solve it? Or how do I get more confidence on what I'm doing? And, um, and, and, and the other thing is if you are a UX designer and you're not that strong at UI, um, a really good practice that I used to do is just copy UI. So what do I mean by that? Not 
necessarily in in the products I design and ship for companies, but as an experiment. So can I recreate the Twitter UI just in Figma? So I take a screenshot and then I can see what I do. And this really helps you practice the tools um, and really kind of gives you a sense of taste of like, let's say if you're using, you know, material design or Apple's design and you're trying to copy it, you can actually figure out some really cool things in that tool and that could speed up your learning process. Um, but don't get fascinated with, you know, Figma or Adobe XD or Sketch. That is just one tiny part of our process. Really the fundamentals and those frameworks that I spoke about actually way more valuable as a UX designer than the tools that you use, right? They are just a means to an end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely concur with a lot of the fundamentals and just understanding the tools too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people may think, uh, you know, the tools make the designer. Like how many, like how many people uh, think of like Adobe Suite? Is like that's all you need to be a, a graphic designer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's also fun for UX designers to learn software because, like, fundamentally, we are creating it. So learning something new that's on you know the World Wide Web or something new on the market is actually really amazing like i've recently learned final cut pro right and just kind of learning those hacks you see like oh this is cool this is what they did and um i, I think it's really fun yeah mm -hmm. yeah so what would you say has been the biggest lesson you have learned in your career so far this is a really interesting question i depending on when you ask me i'll probably give you a different answer but so far that one that comes to mind is that there's always a risk reward and i think the biggest lesson especially uh, recently is just take more risks i think believe in yourself more and take more risk like i don't think i was as risky and wanted to do the things i uh, throughout my career, I did, I did some really cool things, but I think I could have, you know, took a leap of faith earlier in terms of like starting a business or working on video, starting a podcast, all these things that I wanted to do only really came up during the pandemic, right? I think that was the pandemic brain talking, mm -hmm. but yeah, take more risks. Yeah, I know. There's always like one thing that I never really hear anyone who's regretted starting something really. Unless they, they, they are like, well, they always try to justify it by like, oh, look, all the money and time I would be wasting. But it's like, like, it depends on like how much money you're putting into it. But I think the time can definitely be valuable because you're also learning a lot more than you would anywhere else. Yes. And that that's it. When I, when I say risk, I, I don't mean, well, so maybe for me, uh, I'm also a bit hesitant to put money in if I don't know it's going to return, but I also mm -hmm. do enjoy the process of learning. So yeah, get your hands dirty first. And if you're confident, then it's okay to, you know, put some money in and see what happens. Right. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, just go mm -hmm. into it like that, but at least you're, you're coming out with something. Right. Yeah. To quote my friend who is a professional poker player, always willing to, risk what you're willing to lose there we go that's a great quote yes i know so 
So as we're trying to close this episode, what's the best way to reach out to you and be able to support the UX playbook? Yeah, so you can reach out to me personally on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, at SemiGrownKid, or you can just hit uxplaybook.org and you can find all the stuff I'm doing there. Yeah, I think that's the best way. Yeah, all links of that will be found in the show notes, so you can easily see all Chris's links and support him from there. Awesome. Thank you guys for the support, and uh, it was great to talk to you, Nick. Yes, any closing words you'd like our audience to know about? Um, closing words. Yes, I think um, if you are just starting UX, it might be really, really fluffy, and there's so much information out there but it's important that you just be a sponge and consume and more than consuming more than a passive activity actually go try and do some of these things that you hear about i think our career is a vocation so if you don't do it and try a lot of things frameworks tools all this stuff then you really don't like you really can't really get ahead and, and get hired as a designer. So, so be brave, be courageous, try lots of things. That's basically our job, right? So have the confidence to know that no UX designers have it figured out. Our industry is fairly new, so you kind of got to chart your own path and there's no one size fit all career, even if your bootcamp tells you that this is how you're going to get a job and this is what the job is. It's actually not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always <laughs> like the... I know a fun way of learning through the process. Like it's like how we go for college and when we get our first job after it, and realizing like, oh, there's there's some other things that they didn't talk talk to us about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yes. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for being here. Cool. Cheers, Nick. Yeah. Please do support our guests. And until then, you just listen to the UX Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening.